Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks message podcast. Our prayer and desire as you listen to today's message is that it would be an encouragement and challenge in your walk and relationship with Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at ccloto.org or download our app in your app store today. Now, let's jump into today's message together. Uh, Last week, Pastor Nick uh, jokingly said that we are going to go through the entire book of Leviticus. And then I didn't know this, but Duran said that we're going to go through the entire book of Leviticus today. So you know what? For, For fun, turn your book, turn your Bibles to Leviticus and then keep going to 2 John. <laughs> we are going to finish an entire book of the Bible uh, today, and that might seem pretty daunting. That might seem like, wow, what did I show up for? I lost an hour of sleep, and now we're going to do a whole entire book. Uh, but if you read ahead, or if you're there already, it's 13 verses. Uh, 13 verses that, that genuinely do have a massive application for our life, and, and it's something that we do need to address. And it's going to be a good day. Uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, so if you guys could, you know, turn to Second John, not Leviticus, not, not today, not feeling it today, uh, maybe another time. Uh, but I wanted to update you guys on something that happened, uh, kind of, I'm going to say it's just kind of church-wide at this point. Thursday night, we, uh, the Pregnancy Help Center had a chili cook-off, and it's one of their big fundraisers for the year that, that they can go and, and pay for pay for things that, that moms just couldn't pay for. Uh, it could be providing clothes for the baby. It could be providing sonograms. It could be doing all these awesome things that, that they're doing in Camdenton and around the lake area. And it's a big fundraiser for them. Uh, Pastor Nick last year went uh, and won the whole thing. Grand champion, I think. That's what he says, at least. Um, but that was last year, and he put out the challenge. He said, hey, take the throne. Take, take the crown, do whatever, take the ribbon, and church, we stepped up. Um, out of the booths that were there, I cannot remember the total, but Calvary had 11 of them, just, just us, and uh, we all wanted to take that from Pastor Nick, and I'm proud to tell you that somebody in our congregation did, and his name is Tim Stewart, and Tim won the entire thing. Yeah, good job, Tim. He had buffalo, buffalo chicken chili which is going to be on Redhead's menu the entire month of October, and 10% of the money that is raised from that is then going to be donated back to the Pregnancy Help Center. Um, Pastor Nick has said multiple times, and I think as a staff we've said it, and I think just as the body we want to say this too, that, that if for some reason the doors of Calvary were shut, we still want, we, we want there to be this impact in the community. So if our doors were shut, like people noticed, and I'm going to tell you guys, I, I believe Thursday night, if our doors were shut, Pregnancy Help Center would have noticed. We showed up big, and it's just, Nick and I talked right after he called me on the way home, uh, congratulated me, this is my only moment, congratulated me, because Tim got first and I got second. <laughs> and he said, man, that was awesome. And I said, it was. Like, we just saw the church come together as the church with nothing logoed as the church, be the church for something that people desperately need. And it was just an awesome night. And I just want to thank you guys so much for that. So hopefully that story has given you enough time to turn past Leviticus to Second John. And let's start reading. Verse 1, it says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. 
This is kind of key that we're not going to hit on today, but there's a few things in this opening that John has here. One, it says elder, not John. Church history has said, hey, this is John. John wrote this thing. And then we see this elect lady. It says the elder to the elect lady. This is also really important for us as we jump into our study today because this is somebody that is a part of the church. Now there's debate if it's a single individual person or a church, a congregation. There's that debate. Um, but as you keep going, it says, And her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because the truth abides in us and will be with us forever. And he goes on and says, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. John is writing this letter because of an issue that has happened that happened in 1 John. If you guys remember, there's people going out teaching the wrong stuff. And this, in the very introduction of this letter, John just defends the truth. Um, as you go, it says that grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. John equates the two, the Father and the Son, right here. Um, and he's gonna be with us forever. I think that's awesome, something that needs to be noted. Verse four, it says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the, the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such, such as one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. I love that closing. It's just like the pastor's heart of John. He's like, hey, there's a lot more that I have to write. I know a conversation's going to do better than me writing this, and I just, I just want to see you. I just want to talk to you. And then at the end, it says, the children of your elect sister greet you. I think, I think this is John speaking to a church. Um, I'm kind of more in that camp that it's a body of believers that he's talking to because he says that the children of your elect sister greet you, kind of probably the church that he's over at that point. Um, but I don't know if you guys caught this much as we were reading through this entire letter here, but a lot of Second John has already been brought up in First John. Um, a matter of fact, if, if you guys are like me and, and you like to count things and try to connect the dots, out of the 13 verses, eight of them are referenced to the first letter. Now, I'm terrible at math, but I know that's over half. <laughs> now, we can look at this and do one of two things, and if I'm honest with you today, I, I, did, what, I did the first one. Um, as Nick said, hey, you're up in Second John, jumped into it, and I started reading it, and I said, man, this is just a repeat of what we've been doing the last few weeks. And in my head, I went, one, why? <laughs> why is this the week that I get to teach? And two, can I just do third John? I just wanted to kind of skip 
right through it. That, that's where I was. And, and as I continued to read this and I continued to study, God was just really telling me that there is a reason for the repetition. There's a reason that, that eight of the 13 verses are a carryover from the first letter that John wrote. Now, I think one of the reasons is that John was dealing with the issue of false teachers. They were going around and they were teaching that Jesus hadn't even come in the flesh, that Jesus is not here in his risen humanity, and that Jesus will not show up in the future and come for his church. Those are the three kind of points that they were saying, that, that he hadn't come in the flesh. And this is something that needed to be addressed. And John knew that this needed to be addressed, so he did send out multiple letters addressing this thing to multiple people. But deeper than that, I don't think it's just because John had to get this letter to this church and this letter to this church. Deeper than that, um, it, it's within the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scriptures breathed out by God, that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. And I was convicted that my thought process of, hey, I've heard this before, next, was a little wrong. We have the very word of God right here in front of us. It has no errors, and it's not a mistake that we see these common themes carried throughout the whole of Scripture. As a matter of fact, that's an awesome thing. We have 66 books written over thousands of years by different people that have the same divine message from the beginning to the end. That's something, as the church, we should be celebrating and not flipping past. Repetition, I understand, can be annoying to some people. I'm in that camp. Listen, I love road trips. I love road trips because I can get behind a wheel of a car, I can stare forward and not think about anything. Now, I'm worried about how other people drive, not me, I'm good. But those other drivers, we all know that, right? Now, I'm just staring ahead and I'm going, but the one thing that just could irritate me the most is I know where I'm going. Let's say I'm going to St. Louis. I know it's going to take a while to get there, but then all of a sudden you start your road trip and the sign comes up and it says St. Louis, 200 plus miles away, and you're like, thanks for that one. That's good. You drive two more miles. It's like 198 miles away. Awesome. Thank you so much. 160, 150, 100, and you're like... This is driving me absolutely insane. I just don't want to think about anything. I just want to drive. And this, this thing that's just this constant reminder, reminder, reminder of how far you are away from it just keeps popping up. But repetition, let's just say in, in road trips, repetition lets you know that you are going in the right direction. But... If you're not paying attention for that repetition, you may miss your turn. You may run out of gas. You may think that John Denver is a liar and you have to trade your vehicle straight up for a minibike. Movie? Okay, we're going on. Repetition, church, repetition is important because it lets us know that we're in the right direction. So what's been repeated here? I told you guys, eight of 13 verses have been repeated here. And really, there's two big themes. There's two big themes that have carried over from the very first letter. 
And these themes are truth and love. Now, if you're a note taker, you're going to want to write those two words down, truth and love. Today, we're going to look at those big, giant reminder signs that God has put up for us today once again. The first of them being truth. Remember, like I said in the first three verses, it says, The elders, the elect lady, and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because the truth that abides in us will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Now again, I'm not a smart person, but we have three verses here and the word truth is used four times. This could be one of those moments where we just blow on past these three verses or our Bible study senses start tingling and we're like, okay, something is important here. It's been brought up multiple times. And John's telling us, hey, look at this. Look at this word truth. Now, Throwing the word truth around today can be a pretty dangerous game. It can be one of those games that people are afraid of to even say a word. Guys, as I was studying this, um, I got into the the reality of a broken world, and I I found this fact. Do you guys know that in 2006, um, a word was added to the English language by Stephen Colbert? Stephen Colbert is like, credited for this word, and the word is, is truthiness. Truthiness. And I was like, this is, this is just ridiculous. And I looked up the definition of truthiness. This, this is the world we live in. You ready? A tr- this is the definition. A truthful or seemingly truthful quality that is claimed for something not because of supporting facts or evidence, but because of a feeling that it is true or a desire for it to be true. I think in our world today, we have a lot of people asking the question that Pilate had 2,000 years ago as he stood in front of Jesus and he asked, what is truth? We have all these people looking and trying to answer this question or they're just answering it for themselves, but none of them want to listen to Jesus' answer when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That truth that John is talking about here and the truth that we need to hide away for us in our hearts is this. It's not, it's not this thing that changes like the seasons. It's not this thing that changes from generation to generation. And contrary to popular belief today, it's not something that individuals have, right? It's not his truth, her truth, they truth, them truth. It's not something that just changes and is willy-nilly. It's not something that's going to lead you astray. This truth that John talks about here will never change. This truth is eternal, and this truth is for our good. Because the truth that John is talking about in 2 John verses 1 through 3 is God himself. It's Jesus coming to this earth living a perfect life, dying that innocent death for our sins to pay our debt. It's Jesus' good news of bringing reconciliation to sinners through his finished work on the cross and his resurrection and faith in him. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us at the point of salvation, and it's God himself who is speaking to us through his word. 
But as we continue to jump in and understanding that it's God's truth, it's God himself that is this truth, we also see another really interesting thing. We see that, that this truth is actually what brings us together as the church. Read verse 1. Again, the elders, the elect lady, and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth, because the truth that abides in us will be with us forever. Church, those verses do not say that the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the political landscape. It doesn't say who I love lives in the same neighborhood as I do. Because it's, it's not something, what brings us together is not what political aisle you're on. It's not something where your house is. It's not the type of worship music that we like. It's not the cars we own. It's not the way that we eat. It's not the job that you have. It's not even the football team that you root for on Sunday. And it's definitely not the myriad of social justice issues that pop up daily. Church, what brings us together today in the common ground that we have to walk into this room or watch online is his truth. And I pray that is what unites us. I pray that's what unites us today. There's one more thing that we see from John about truth. And I think it is the the principle that truth is important enough to stand up for. John, in the very beginning of the letter, is defending against the attack on this very truth by pinning it and sending it to this lady. Like I mentioned earlier, there were people going around with their truthiness, with their own truth, saying whatever they wanted to say, not based upon what God has already said and what God has already done. They're walking around and spreading lies in verse 7. It says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such is one. Such one is the deceiver and the antichrist. That John went as far to defend truth to tell the church to not show them the prevalent characteristic of the church in the first century. John went on to tell them to not show these people any hospitality. Read in verse 10. It says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Truth is something, (laughs) anymore, truth is something that the church has to stand up for. Truth is, is important enough to stand up for. And I pray, church, that if truth is what unites us here, when truth seems, um, seems to be under attack, I pray that we can stand up and we can speak out because it's worth it. In my studies, I found one commentator and he put it like this. He says, we never compromise with mistaken teachers. I think we've hit on that a lot, but the Bereans, right? Paul is out there teaching this God's theologian is out there telling them all of these things. And this group of people, the Bereans, went home and they started searching the scriptures to make sure Paul was okay. They fact-checked Paul. We can never compromise with mistaken teachers. I don't care how awesome the presentation is. I don't care how awesome the lights are. I don't care how anything. If they're not telling the truth, we can never compromise with mistaken teachers. 
But this commentator goes on, he says, but we are never free from the obligation of seeking to lead them into the truth. It seems like John took a pretty harsh stance here, telling the church that they can't show hospitality. But I believe it was an opportunity for the church to then when that person's like, well, why can't I stay at your house? All right, here we go. We can never compromise with mistaken teachers, but we're never free from the obligation of seeking to lead them into the truth. I think one of our major key points that we have for truth in this section is that that is what unites us. That's our common ground as we walk in here. The truth is the foundation on which the church sees the rest of the world. The truth is the foundation on which the church acts into the rest of the world. What we say, what we do, what we're a part of and what we're not a part of. The truth is what unites us. And like I told you guys, there's, there's two major themes here that are carried from 1 John. The first being truth. And the second, if you're a note taker, remember, love. The second big giant constant reminder is love. So if we're going to look into this, jump again into first, or second John, wow, verse 4. It says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as you were commanded by the Father. John, this, this, this pastor of these churches, the, the elder here is like, hey, it's awesome to hear that some of your members are walking with the truth. They're being commended. But, but the other flip side of this, it says that find some of your children. There, there's also a negative side. Some of them are not. They're being commended for walking in the truth, but some of them are not. Keep going. It says, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is the love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Guys, I, I, I don't even know how many times we've talked about this very statement. I have no idea that, that if you love me, you will walk according to my commandments. That is a major theme that's carried over from the very first letter. And again, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I understand that this might just be frustrating. Like we, We've talked about it. We've studied this. I, I get it. Yeah, move on. But instead of that attitude, I just pray that we have that our Bible study senses are tingling and we look into it once again. I told you guys that repetition is a good thing because it allows us to know that we're heading in the right direction. But repetition is also a good thing. Um, my wife is Hannah. I don't know if you guys have met Hannah. She's sweet. She's perfect. All the awesome things I need to say from stage, I've said them now. I'm not in trouble at this point. Um, but Hannah, Hannah does not like ketchup. The, here's the real frustrating part. Hannah's never even tried ketchup, but she just doesn't like it. Zero. And, and it's not like Hannah told me when we were dating one time that she's like, I don't like ketchup. It's every time that I put ketchup on something, she's like, oh, I don't like ketchup. I'm like, oh, that's brand new information. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> or... Or this, Hannah, Hannah will say, oh, I really like that coffee mug. Like she really likes coffee and coffee mugs and all this stuff and, and she's taken up half of our kitchen with coffee mugs. 
but it's not like we were dating and she said it one time. Hannah consistently tells me every time we walk through a store that has a coffee mug aisle, she's like, that's a really cool coffee mug. So you have 50,000 of them. You don't even use them. Or she says something like this on my day off. She's like, I, I just, I really love it when we could just sit and drink coffee and just, and talk. That's not something that, it was like our first day of us being married that she said once. It's every Saturday that I have off for the last six years. Repetition is also a good thing because it allows us to love somebody better. I know that if we go out to a restaurant and Hannah leaves and she's not at the table and they're like, hey, what's she want? I'm not going to order a double bacon cheeseburger with extra ketchup. That's not going to happen. Or as I'm walking through some store that she's not at and I see a coffee mug that's her favorite color, I'll pick it up. Or as much as it drives me crazy because I have a lot of other things I need to be doing, I will sit down on a couch and I will talk with her. Repetition's good because it allows us to know we're going in the right direction. And repetition's also good when it comes to relationships with other people because it allows us to love people better, to love somebody better. I think we all understand this, and we've probably all said this, but I'm just going to say it again. Love isn't just saying something. Not ordering ketchup, buying coffee mugs, and and spending time with Hannah on a Saturday morning. I have to do those things because I love my wife. I don't get to just say, I love you, and then peace out on a Saturday morning. Love is something Love isn't some, just saying something. Love is us doing something or not doing something. Man, I just had this talk with my kid, Silas, yesterday. He's four. I'm sure you parents of four-year-olds have said this, or parents in general have said this. Whenever he, uh, he does something bad and he'll go, Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I love you. Like, he's just defending himself, right? He's protecting himself. He's like, I just don't want to get in trouble. I'm just saying these things. And yesterday I had to sit down and talk with him and I said, Silas, I know that you love me because of the way you act towards me. I know you tell me this, you say this, I know, you've, you've done this, but now you're showing me how you love me by how you interact with me. Like if I'm like, hey, stop hitting the dog, please just stop hitting the dog. Like, please do what I, what I say, L- love Short, short, shorten it up a little bit. Love is an action. Love is a verb. Saying it is one thing, but showing it to them, that's what truly means it. And honestly, that makes sense with any other relationship that we have on this planet, right? Like if you have a friend, and you guys are friends, you're like, hey, love you, man, all this stuff. But if you just see them in Walmart, they're like, why haven't you called me? Well, I said I loved you. No, relationships happen. You do something. You step up to the plate. You, you fill the gap wherever it is. Parents to, to kids, to spouses, whatever. It makes sense to every single relationship we have, but sometimes it's difficult when it comes to our relationship with God. Sometimes we just say, well, <clears throat> he knows I love him. Plus, plus, Sean, I don't know if the word commandment here is the, right, is the right word, right? Commandment seems like it's an authoritative thing. 
from somebody that's superior than you, is, is, is commanding, giving this authority and saying, you do this. I don't, I don't think that's the right word here. That word actually seems, seems too harsh for me. Right? God knows that I love him. God, God, it, it seems too harsh. Church, <laughs> it wouldn't seem too harsh if you truly understood the truth of what he's already done for you. Go back, that, that he sent his son, Jesus, to live a life that we couldn't, to die a death that we deserved, to defeat the grave and offer a way for us to be reconciled back to him. He, literally, he, he sent his son to die. This word commandment is not a harsh word at all. Because you see, it's not just two individual signs that we're seeing here, but, but we see that truth and love it's not an either-or type of thing when it comes to the Christian life. That truth and love seem to be this unbeatable, inseparable team that God has for his church today. Love, or as the scripture puts it right here in 2 John, uh, tells us obedience to his commandments is how the world will see us. Listen, our truth unites us and our love defines us. The world, this brokenness, the, the, the sad brokenness that we've talked about already is not going to see us because of our truth. As a matter of fact, they don't even like it. The truth is for us. The truth is for the church. The truth is what unites us and brings us together. And our love is what defines it to the people around us. As Bruce Jones puts it, talk walks and our walk talks. James put it like this in, uh, in James chapter 1 verse 22 through 25. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. But the one, who put, <clears throat> the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Church, we're representatives of God, of Jesus, to the world around us. This love that John continues to bring up, this, this love, obedience to what God has called us to do, that is our way to show the world who our Father is. Jesus, in, in the book of John, in the gospel, says that they're going to know you by your love. John uh, 17, let's, let's flip there. John 17, verses 20 through 21 says this, as Jesus is speaking here. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they, may, <clears throat> that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Listen, verse at the end of 21. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
Understanding the truth is what brings us together. And loving the truth is what then has us be obedient to God's commands. We are representatives of God to the world, but like, what's this love mean? I, I, I need simpler definitions because there are a lot of commandments here. Now, if you just need one that's going to, you know, kind of be the umbrella, but you need to go and study some more and find other ones, I think it's, it's simply put like this. Treat others the way that God treats you. Sometimes we can have our own biases get in the way of treating others the way that, that God treats us. But like God had zero biases when he sent his son. Romans 5.8 tells us that, that though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We had a lot against us and God said, no biases, my son's going to die for you. We're representatives to this world. It's what they see. Be united by his truth and be defined by your love for him. But I never want to leave anything just open like that. Like, that's not who I am. Like, I told you guys, I like on road trips, I know where I'm going to go. I know the destination. I don't want to get there. <laughs> I don't want to have a sign that says, you know, 45 miles away and, and not wrap things together and, and have a conclusion. So what now? John has reminded us that of truth and love and, and what now as the church? Well, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, if you are here this morning and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, one, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on a Sunday morning. And I also want to apologize to you that if the combo, this beautiful marriage of these two virtues of truth and love have not what you've been experiencing around a group of Christians. And I want to just go out on a limb and for all of us in the room, I just want to take credit for that. that that's on us. That's not on Jesus. That's not a Jesus hurt. That's, a, that's, a, that's an us hurt. Don't give up on him. If this is your last day here, then you're like, this is my last chance. Please don't give up on Jesus. He is truth and he is love. His people might have just messed it up. The second thing, church, <laughs> I know that as we're looking at this, all of this may seem daunting. Just like we're going we're gonna to go through an entire book on a Sunday. It may seem daunting to be united by his truth and, and to be defined by our love for him. But I just want to encourage you guys if I can. Because this is not some vicious cycle that we're stuck in of, okay, well, I don't know all this truth, so, so I can't love them the way they can, and because I can't love them, I can't grow in truth and the truth and love and blah, blah, and you just get to this point where you don't even know where you're at. It's not a vicious cycle. Warren Wiersbe actually said that this is a victorious cycle. And it starts like this. If you believe in truth, you believe in the truth that God sent his son, that Jesus died for you, and that he paid the debt for your sins, and, and he defeated the grave, and, and you've put your faith in him to, to be reconciled back to the Father. If you've believed in truth, what happens is you then love him. And when you love him and you obey what he says, you can actually learn deeper truths. 
And the more deeper truths that you learn, the more you start to love him. And the more you love him, the more you obey him. And then guess what? You learn deeper truths. This is not some vicious cycle that we're stuck in that that has no hope, no nothing. God has laid out the game plan for us. He says, hey, be united in my truth. Be united in the gospel. Be united in the word. Be united in the spirit guiding. Be united in my truth. And love what, I, love what I've told you to do. The Christian life is one that we can continue to grow in every single day, deeper and deeper. And I love that. Just got two more things. I ran across this quote from John MacArthur about this book, and it says, This brief letter opens with a ringing call for Christians to live consistently with the truth they believe. The only true basis for unity in the church is the truth of God's word that unites, abides in, blesses, and guides the lives of believers. And it is only those Christians and churches who are firmly planted on the solid foundation of truth who will be able to withstand the storms of persecution, temptation, and false doctrine that constantly assail them. Church, this is good news for us. Not only has he given us a blueprint of how to do it, he's actually put defenses up for us that if we stay in his truth, we're protected. One last final thought that I had. What do you think it would look like? What do you think it would look like if for a week, the hundred of us or so in this room, for one week, we all were united by his truth and we all loved one another? Like, like for one week, if we were able to marry the two perfectly and walk in the way that God has called us to do, and, and John would even commend, right, that, that, that we are walking in truth. What do you think that would look like? John 17, 20 says that that, that combination is what has the world know that the Father sent Jesus. I know the word evangelism is really scary for some people, but that's, that's evangelism. Walking in truth and being that representative of God to the people around us. I just go out on a limb and say, I, I think that harvest that we read about in the New Testament, that, that there's a lot, but there's few laborers, I think that, that harvest starts getting, getting picked. The kingdom's added to, and, and more people understand what truth is. And, the, and they're not walking around like Pilate, just out in the wilderness asking, what is truth? They know him. They know him, and their lives are changed and transformed by him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the constant reminders that you've put through the whole of Scripture. God, I pray it's something that just blinds us even as we're, as we're walking through and reading your word, that, that it, the common themes are, are what drive us. The common themes are what unites us, and the common themes are what, what we... Let define us to the world around us. God, I do pray for opportunities this week to, to show the, the, the married relationship of truth and love in each and every one of our lives.
to the people around us, that they can come to know truth, they can come to know you, they can have their lives changed just like ours have been. God, I pray that you continue to give us the strength to step up to the plate and, and be those representatives. You give us the words you, and the opportunities. God, once again, I thank you so much for today. And we pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Guys, we, uh, we do have people in the corner. We have the hall cells today. They would love to pray with you if you have anything happening in your life or, or coming up, uh, pray with you or through some circumstances or storms. I want to thank you guys so much for showing up today on Daylight Savings Time at 8 a.m. You did good. And uh, go love God, love others, and impact the world. And we'll see you next week.